This interview is with the best-selling author, Ellie Katz. She's been on the podcast before, but this time we are talking about her new book, One Minute to Zen, and how we can achieve that. She's the author of three books. Her first was Hot Mess to Mindful Mom. She also has Get the Most Out of Motherhood and this new book, One Minute to Zen. In it, she is sharing 35 simple ways to bring yourself back to center in one minute or less. I mean, who couldn't benefit from that? As Redbook described it, this guidebook to daily zen features 35 bite-sized lessons that show you how you can create mindfulness amidst the day-to-day of being a parent. Having read this book myself, I have already taken away some super simple things to add to my toolbox to bring me back to center in those crazy moments. You'll hear me talk a little bit more about that in the episode. Ellie is a meditation teacher, a kundalini yoga instructor, a medium and a speaker. You'll hear more about her and how to keep your zen on over this crazy period in this interview. If you want to find out more about Ellie, you can head to her website at hotmesstomindfulmom.com. Welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. Ellie, it's awesome to have you back on Here to Thrive. You've been up to so much since we last spoke. I'm so happy to be here and talk to you and get to visit. It's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to talk to you. One Minute to Zen is your new book. Can we talk a little bit about what you hoped you would bring to the world with this book? Yes, absolutely. It's unbelievable. I feel like I had another baby. It's another book baby. And you had told me even five years ago that I would have written three books. I would have looked at you like you had two heads. I It's really about meeting people where they are. Everyone in this day and age feels stressed and overwhelmed, whether you stay at home, whether you work, whether you have no kids, whether you have five kids, no matter what's going on in your life, if you're a man or a woman, whoever you are, everybody feels stressed. And everyone says they're so busy, so busy, they can't take any more on. So a lot of times I hear as a meditation teacher, people tell me, I don't have time to meditate. And I like to say, well, do you have one minute? Because we have to have tools in our toolbox that can help us come back from stress quickly and seamlessly in our lives, easily. Because we're all feeling so stressed, we need these tools desperately. So I wanted to find a way to convey to people that small changes, small acts, one minute of meditation here or there throughout your day can really add up to big results and big change in your life. So it's kind of a couple of things I was I was going for here. One was to help people recover from stress really quickly with a one minute meditation, recover from stress, overwhelm, anxiety, anger, frustration, whatever they're feeling that doesn't feel good, 
to recover quickly so they can come back to the present moment, come back to their center, come back to being their best selves, come back to the joy of life really quickly. And so that was the overarching theme of the book. But the other thing that I'm hoping that the book does is shows people how good meditation feels, even just one minute at a time. So maybe it's an entryway that people feel comfortable. The people that say, I don't have time to meditate, I can't do it. And they're thinking 10, 20 minutes, you know, big changes in their lives. But maybe they say, well, one minute feels really good. I wonder what two minutes feels like. What does three feel like? And so meeting people where they are and hoping that they jump on the meditation train in a way that feels really good and doable and easy. And then it becomes a bigger part of their life. What I loved about One Minute to Zen is you're talking about meditation, but there's 35 separate little mini meditations in there, right? Yes, and they're all different. And so there are a lot that involve breath work and what people typically think of when they think of meditation, but there's a lot of other types of exercises that are really different that can help you deal with stress just in a different way. But it's about taking a minute to recenter yourself. So I talk in one chapter about essential oils. I talk about gratitude. I talk about how to drink a mug of tea so it feels like a really mindful experience to reset you. Looking at pictures, all kinds of things. There's something about mindful eating, using a candle. So it's not just breath work. There's really something for everyone. And I know when people see a list of 35 things, you can't do those all at once. So inevitably people will find a favorite or two, but then they have a lot of choices and options for when they want something different. That's what I loved about it because we're talking about meditation, but when I was reading through these exercises, I was like, this is just an amazing toolkit of simple things I can do to bring me back to center, many of which I wouldn't necessarily think of as meditation, but as you're talking about, they are mindful exercises that bring you back to yourself. There was that one about dancing it out. I loved it. Yeah, I, I dance it out. It really helps and it moves the energy really quickly. And the thing is, is that stress is never going to stop coming. So we have to find ways to recover super quickly. So people will say to me, you know, oh, you're a meditation teacher. Your life must be so zen. And I'm like, what are you talking about? My life is not zen. I have the same stress and worries and things on my plate as everybody else. The difference is, I have this huge toolbox that helps me to recover from stress really quickly. So that's exactly like, I love how you brought that up because that's exactly what I wanted to do was give people a toolbox of their own. And that's what's really important. For a while, I kind of felt like a failure in life because I was feeling stressed. And then I realized, you know what? I have this unrealistic expectation that I'm going to find balance and stay there. But if I change my mindset to understand that balance is a constant recalibration, we are feeling really good and then stress hits and we need a tool to recalibrate and then we're feeling good again and then we dip and then we need a tool to help us ride the wave again. And so we're constantly recalibrating. And when I realized that's more what life was about and how quickly could I recalibrate, that's when I started to feel a lot more successful literally living my life and being a mom and working and understanding that that's more of the process that's realistic. 
I think this is so important. Just before I got on this call with you, I was talking to one of my friends and I was like, what do you want to learn from Ali? And she knows who you are and that you're a, a meditation teacher and you've written your other books, Get the Most Out of Motherhood and Hot Mess to Mindful Mom, just so that other people can know what they're called. And she said exactly what you're talking about here. She was saying she looks up to lots of people online and they look like their lives are perfect and they seem to be dealing with the four kids and still showing up and looking gorgeous and everything looks glossy and it can't be that glossy behind the scenes. And she wanted to really understand how is it that we can pull ourselves back together when the shit hits the fan? Because life isn't always zen. And you've totally tapped on that. When you were talking about feeling like a failure, I think this point is so important. Do you still have moments now where you really feel stressed? Yes, absolutely. I'm human. And I was talking to someone about this yesterday that we are human, so no matter how much we meditate and no matter how much we practice self-care, we're going to have moments where we lose it. Hopefully, they're way fewer and farther between than they were before we had a meditation practice and self-care and all the things that we do. I mean, I know mine are. That's why my journey was going from a hot mess where they happened all the time to a mindful mom where they happen every once in a while. But again, when they happen, I give myself grace. I give myself self-compassion because I know that I'm human. And then we get back to how quickly can I recover? What tool am I going to use? I'm not going to stay here. And again, even though that does happen, there's many more times where I can feel emotion surging. And before I do flip out or yell at my kids or do something, say something I regret, I catch myself. I have awareness of how I feel and I use a tool to bring myself back to center quickly so that I move forward in a way that feels thoughtful and positive. So I don't lose it as much, but I do sometimes. I mean, I'm not perfect. I talk about mindful parenting all the time. And every once in a while, I do yell at my kids. I, I want people to understand that we're still living real life and stuff happens. But you know what? I used to stay awake all night after something like that happened and beat myself up and torture myself about what I said or what I did. And I was so hard on myself. I made myself miserable. But now I can process it a little differently. And I talk to my kids differently. And I say, you know what? I regret my decision. I, I wish that I had taken a second and, and chosen a different word that didn't feel good to me at all. And, and next time I want to do it so differently. And I have those open and honest conversations with my kids. And then I have to let it go. Don't beat myself up and torture myself and stay awake all night like I did 10 years ago. So that's a huge change. It's about how quickly we recover. That was the point that really hit home for me there is it's not that you don't feel stress. It's that you have this ability to recover from it that you didn't used to have. Absolutely. And I'd say that's just one of the biggest changes in my life that makes my life feel so much better that I'm happier and more joyful day in and day out because I'm not torturing myself like I used to. I used to be so mean to myself. And I'm sure there's listeners out there that can relate to that, that self-criticism and that self-judgment. And that is no way to live. We are hearing ourselves and our voices all day long. So I tell people, I'm like, imagine 
if you had a friend that texted you mean messages all day long, like you look fat and your hair doesn't look good today and you're a bad mom and, you know, all kinds of things like that, you would hate that person, you would delete that person, you would block that person, you wouldn't want to have anything to do with that person. But that's how so many of us talk to ourselves all day long. So how do we go from being our worst critic to being our own best cheerleader and giving ourselves more of that compassion and meditation and one minute meditations have helped me transform my life in that way. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping others bring meditation and one minute meditations into their lives, because I want other people to feel better inside like, like I do now, because I'm not different than anybody else. I just am really diligent and consistent about practicing. So if I can do it, anybody can do it. You just have to dig your heels in and do it. You know? <laughs> dig your heels in. I love it. You mentioned that you are better at catching yourself before you lose it or catching yourself in that sort of stress response. How did mm -hmm. that happen for you or how can we get some of that for ourselves? That's a great question. Well, the first key to every bit of change is awareness. So becoming aware of your patterns, of your habits, of the sensations of your body. You can close your eyes and imagine a really stressful situation or a time you yelled at your kids or something that felt really, really crappy, okay? You can close your eyes and imagine that in your mind's eye and really let yourself feel the emotion, feel what you were feeling in that moment, feel the stress. Notice what's happening in your body. Are your shoulders tightening? Are your hands clenching? Is your stomach tightening? Is your heart beating faster? That's the feeling your body usually feels when you feel stress. So notice that. Then when you start feeling that in everyday life, that's a clue. Your body's talking to you. When you feel that, when you notice these, sig these signals and these signs that your body are is giving you, that's how you get more awareness around it and that you notice it and you say, okay, I'm feeling this tightening in my chest. Let me use a tool right now. How can I breathe? What's a one minute meditation I can do so I can move forward in this situation in a positive way? So, so much of it is awareness and practice. We're not going to catch ourselves 100% of the time. If you start catching yourself 50%, then 60%, then 70, then maybe 80, that's huge. So just doing the best you can in each moment and the more you practice this with this awareness, catching yourself, using a one-minute meditation, coming back to center, the more habitual it becomes. It's not even a big deal. It just feels natural. The more you do it, the more natural it feels. But I also tell people, you have to practice when you're feeling calm and when you're feeling good because you can't imagine, you can't think you're going to do something when you're feeling stressed that you haven't practiced when you're feeling good. Does that make sense? Oh, it's so the more you can practice it in everyday life, sitting in a traffic light, in the shower, while you're cooking dinner, any, anytime you in line at the grocery store in line at the ATM, like don't reach for your phone in each of those moments, reach for your breath, do a quick one minute meditation. And then you're practicing and building those muscle memory of, of calming down of feeling good in your body. And then when you are stressed in the moment, you can do it so much easier. Mm. When I was reading your book, one of the one minute meditations that really stuck with me and I texted you immediately and I was like, oh my gosh, how simple, how brilliant was sighing it out. And I have been using it ever since reading 
one minute to zen. Because seriously, how simple is that? But man, does it feel good. And when you were talking about recognizing those feelings in your body, I have been noticing when I'm feeling a little like just a little bit more tense. If I do like two giant size, I'm like, it's amazing as a reset. And it doesn't actually even take a minute. It was phenomenal. So people sigh it out. I'm so glad. And that's the thing too. These are in one minute or less. So some of them don't even take a whole minute. But it's amazing when you have that longer exhale, you're stimulating your parasympathetic nervous system that's calming your body down. It's taking you away from your stress response into your rest and digest response where your body is operating optimally. We have all these tongue twisters we're throwing around. Your body is operating optimally and you can think more clearly and move forward in a way that feels good. So that longer exhale is super important and can help so much. You also had a couple of kundalini yoga breathing exercises in there because you're a kundalini yoga teacher, right? Can we talk a little bit about this and what kundalini yoga is? So kundalini yoga is the yoga of awareness and it deals a lot with our nervous system, calming our nervous system, dealing with our glandular system, the endocrine system, and helping us bust through blocks that might be standing in our way of living with our highest potential and living our best life. So I am a Kundalini yoga teacher, which I absolutely adore. You know, as I grow and evolve, so does everything that I teach. Kundalini yoga, one thing I love about it so much is it involves meditation. It involves movement, different postures. It involves mantra. It involves chanting, breath work, all in one exercise session in one class, you get it all. And so I find it to be so powerful because the combination of moving the body of the breath work, involving the meditation, there's even relaxation in there. You sort of hit everything you need. And then each set of exercises, it's called a Kriya, um, which means a completed act. So in Kundalini yoga, there's different sets of exercises. So if a teacher is teaching the basic spinal series, whether they're teaching it in France or in South Africa or the United States, it's exactly the same how you teach it because there's a result that you get at the end of that each and every time you do it in this set way. So it is just incredible. People sometimes choose to do a set of exercises or a certain breathing exercise or meditation for 40 days or even longer to create real fast change in your body, mind, and spirit. It's done so much for me. I will tell you, I don't even drink caffeine in the mornings. I get up, I do a kundalini set, I meditate. I feel so good that I don't even drink caffeine. It's amazing. I feel so I need to start doing this because my nutritionist just last night told me that I should not be drinking coffee anymore. I'm like, brilliant. Related to my breast cancer people. I'll put a little program together for you. Thank you, Allie. That would be amazing. But you are teaching classes in Houston, right? Yes, I am. So anyone listening from Houston, come see me. Right now I'm teaching Kundalini Yoga. It's called Unwind Meditation Studio. They have amazing classes and I'm teaching there one day a week, soon to be two days a week. So very exciting. The exercise, not to give your whole book away here, but the, the Kundalini exercise that you included in One Minute to Zen was nostril breathing, right? Yes. 
I did, I included alternate nostril breathing and single nostril breathing. Okay, this is a great tool to have in your back pocket. So if you do alternate nostril breathing where you're taking turns breathing out of your right nostril and your left nostril, and there's very explicit instructions in one minute to Zen of exactly how to do this, you are balancing the hemispheres of your brain. So it is amazing for you. However, you can also remember that single nostril breathing can be used anytime. And what happens when you breathe out of the left and what happens when you only breathe out of the right is different. So this is really cool. When you need energy, okay, you need more of the sun energy, you need more clarity, more focus, more, you know, to feel more energized. You will use your thumb of your left hand and you'll close off your left nostril and you'll solely breathe in and out of the right nostril, just long, deep breathing in and out of the right nostril for a minute, three minutes, whatever you want to do. That's going to give you energy and it's going to give you focus. Now, if you want the opposite, you want to calm yourself down. You want to help yourself fall asleep. You want to, you know, come back from stress quickly or overwhelm. You'll use the thumb of the right hand and you'll close off your right nostril and you'll breathe solely in and out of the left for a minute or two. And that will calm your body down. So that is an amazing tool to have in your back pocket. Do I need energy? Is it, you know, do I want to reach for that coffee at three o'clock or do I want something else? You can breathe in and out of the right. Am I feeling stressed and overwhelmed and I need to chill out? Breathe in and out of the left. So good. I mean, that's something that you could literally do sitting at traffic lights or sitting at your desk or like you said, lying in bed at night when you just want to calm down and, and go to sleep. Absolutely. And it's that's the thing. The, what I put in the book is... It's not hard to do. It really is quick and easy. I try to keep it really simple because I want people to just have these at their fingertips to really use in the moment when they need them. I do feel like I have an amazing toolbox now that I didn't have a few weeks ago. So I'm really excited about that. I want to talk a little bit about you and evolution of your business and what you've been doing out in the world. Because I've known Ellie now for a couple of years and I've seen you evolve and what you're teaching is so exciting. Can we talk a little bit more about the types of work that you are doing with your clients these days? Yes, and thank you. I mean, you are such a, a wonderful friend and I always appreciate all of your support. It Aww. means so much. So it's funny, um, a newsletter went out this morning and in it I wrote, well, I certainly like variety <laughs> because I don't just teach one thing. As I evolve and grow and transform, so do the things that I offer people as a teacher and a healer. So um, of course, my first love that I will always teach for the rest of my life is meditation. And that's where it all began. That's where my journey and transformation began. And so meditation is a huge part of what I teach. I do. I teach privately in Houston and also people around the world. Actually, I have an international client right now. So I can teach on Zoom, video conferencing or phone. So um, I work with people that want to begin or rekindle or strengthen a meditation practice. So that is amazing. And then I am teaching Kundalini Yoga as we spoke about. And then I do energy clearings for clients. I've been studying energy for about four years, protecting and clearing energy. I am a huge empath. I'm extremely sensitive. I soak up energy like a sponge. I knew that um, I had to really wrap my arms around this 
the first time that it was really, really bad, I did a book signing one time and it was like an all day thing, like 14 hours. And I ended up in bed for like five days afterward. I felt like I had the flu and, but I wasn't sick. And then it hit me that I had absorbed so much energy from so many different people that I had talked to that day that I was like, I need to figure this out. I need to wrap my arms around this. So I've been studying clearing and protecting, and now I teach others how to do it for themselves. And I also have clients that I just do an energy clearing for them, which means I clear any energy that they might be holding onto from other people and other places. And then I clear all of their layers, subtle layers of energy in their elements, their chakras, their auras, and all of that. So it's super fun. I love doing that. And then most recently, which I just sort of announced this, you know, like in the past day or two, is I have been working on developing my abilities as a psychic medium for the past, I guess, past, it's been started about a year ago. And I've been practicing a lot and working with some amazing teachers. And now I am booking clients for readings, connect with loved ones in spirit, to connect with them, to get evidence that they are with them all the time, signs, information from spirit guides and I'm so excited about doing that because I've known for a long time that that was part of my journey. I just didn't know exactly how or when it was going to happen. But then the signs and the messages started coming through that it was time. And so I started, you know, working on developing that. And it's just been an amazing part of my, my journey. So I'm really excited about that too. I find I'm really inspired by your story because like you said, meditation was your invitation to really go to this deeper place within yourself. That's where you started and then you moved on to this journey of kundalini yoga and now mediumship. Is it is that what you call it? Yes. So I'm fascinated when you say you have been developing your skills, what kind of things did you do to develop them? I know you worked with teachers. Yes. So it was learning some information. Well, there was one teacher that I did a course with Suzanne Giesman, who's amazing. And I'm actually getting ready to do her level two course um, in the spring, advanced mediumship. And I learned a lot from her about the basics. And then really, it was just getting started. I mean, I knew that I was hearing things and I was seeing things because of all the messages that I was receiving and all the guidance I was receiving for myself in my own life. You know, I write about in the um, introduction to One Minute to Zen that I was diagnosed with early stages of rheumatoid arthritis. And the reason I knew I had it is because my guides told me before I ever went to the doctor, I had all these weird symptoms and I didn't know what was going on and why I was feeling how I was feeling. And in the morning, one morning, like that moment between sleep and awake, I heard a voice in my head that said, you have rheumatoid arthritis. You need to go to the doctor. And this is the doctor that you should see. And I heard a name and I like sat up and I was like, Oh my God, that makes so much sense. And then I went to the doctor. I mean, so for a long time, I was getting messages and guidance and seeing things and hearing things and all kinds of signs. So I knew that this was a big part of my life. Um, and then I just started getting the signs that it was time to take this to the next level. But it was interesting because I got a message. I was starting to kind of work on developing this. And then I got a message last summer when I was still writing One Minute to Zen. I was driving in the car and this voice in my head said, nothing else is going to happen until you finish your book. 
<laughs> so it was like, slow down, Ellie. Yeah, like one thing at a time. I, while I was finishing my book, it was like everything shut down. I got no messages, no guidance, like nothing. And I was like, okay, let me just like talk about motivation to finish my book. I was like, I better finish writing. I want this to come back. And then as soon as I finished, like everything picked back up again. And then I started working with an amazing teacher, Pat Longo, who has worked with helping to train some of the world's most incredible medium. So I feel honored to be working with her. And on my last call with her, she said, we were on the call and like right in the middle of the call, she goes, okay, read me right now. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? I haven't done my like tune in and my special meditation and all of this. And I'm scared to read you, you're my teacher. And like all these famous people read you and I'm nervous. And she's like, oh, stop it. Just close your eyes and do it. You know, she's from Long Island and she was like tough love kind of in the moment. And so I closed my eyes and I just read her and got great information. And I, I opened my eyes and I said, what do you think? And she said, you're ready, no more practicing, go for it. So it's, it's amazing. The response even, um, I put it out just a day ago that I was going to start really doing readings. And I think I have a pretty full calendar already. If you're listening to this and you would like a reading with Ali, you might have to get in quick because it sounds like people are lapping it up, Ali. Yes, it's very exciting, which just goes to show that the timing was right. And this is what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, so it's just a nice confirmation. Can we talk a little bit more about your self-care routines? You know, it's so funny because the more you practice self-care, the more seamless it feels in my life that it's such an ingrained part of my life that I don't even feel like I'm practicing anything anymore. It's just kind of how I live. You know, I wake up, I like to have a good about an hour before my family gets up in the morning. This evolved. This is over years. I'm not suggesting anyone have to start tomorrow getting up an hour earlier. I used to get up eight minutes before my family. <laughs> and then over seven years, it evolved to an hour. But I get up um, between 5.45 and 6. And some mornings, about two or three mornings a week, I get up and I do some dry brushing and an oil massage and a shower, sometimes cold, sometimes hot. And now that it's like wintertime, I'm moving more towards warm showers when I do this. But in the summer, I was doing a lot of cold showers. And then I head downstairs to what I call my Zen Den, which is my home teaching studio where I teach my Houston classes. And I do kundalini yoga and I meditate. And sometimes I journal if I want to. Sometimes I do the tuning forks on myself, you know, which is really fun. And so I just have some quiet time, usually me with my dogs. And then I go upstairs, get dressed, wake up the kids. And then I really, I've been really into juicing lately. So I make myself a yummy celery, apple, lemon, turmeric, ginger juice in the morning. So with the juice and the yoga, that's why I've like literally don't even have caffeine in the morning anymore, as I said. And so that kind of start, that's a start to my day. But then throughout the day, I'm always breathing and doing a one minute meditation. I want to talk about your one hour morning routine and you mentioned it started with eight minutes because I feel like so many people listening right now will be like, oh my gosh, that is just like so unrealistic. How could I totally. ever do I an hour? Did you start there? Did you start like if you had heard no. you saying like, it's going to be an hour, would you have been one of those people that was like, wow, that like, is crazy? Are you crazy? <laughs> it started literally with eight minutes. So I used to get up 
little, oh, so maybe it was like, I set my alarm 10 minutes earlier. Get up, I would go pee, I would sit on the edge of my bathtub, I don't know why that seemed comfortable, and meditate for eight minutes. That was my whole routine. That was it. (laughs) And then it just kind of (laughs) grew. I like it though, because I think that's what's realistic when we're talking about adding habits and self-care routines into our days. They tend to grow one step at a time rather than we go from doing nothing to doing it all. I feel like it's so much more realistic to build up, right? And if you try to to do something too big too quickly, it's not going to stick. So I would be happy with someone waking up one minute earlier and doing a one minute meditation out of the book, one minute to then, and just starting their mind their day from a mindful place. That's a huge change. You know, just setting some intention for the day of how you want to feel and giving yourself one minute. That's a big difference. You know, when I tell people, when I work with people on sleep, because the three best ways for your body to deal with stress are sleep, exercise, and meditation. So I'm not a sleep expert by any means, but when I have private clients, we always talk about all three. You know, we focus on meditation, but we do touch on their sleep routines and their exercise routines because we're focusing on dealing with stress the best way possible. So what I tell people when they're like, they want to go to bed an hour earlier, my suggestion is, Don't just start going to bed an hour earlier. You're not going to last. Go to bed 15 minutes earlier for a week or two. When that feels normal and good, then add on another 15 minutes for a week or two until that feels good and routine and slowly back up your bedtime. Because it's like anything. If you just say, I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes every day and you've never meditated before, you might do it for a couple of days, but then you're probably going to fall off because you didn't ease yourself into it. So if you ease yourself into something so it starts to feel routine and then you want more, you're going to be a lot more successful. I've already asked you my standard questions, so I have a couple of new ones for you. Okay. Is there a lesson that you feel like you've learned this year, a life lesson that 2018 you're like, oh, I get it? Oh, yeah. There was a big thing I learned this year, and it was about giving myself permission to pull back a little bit to figure out different ways to work that feel good to me, but feel like I'm not being pulled away from my family as much. That was the kind of a a big one. You know, when you're starting a business and you're an entrepreneur and when you're an author trying to sell books, you say yes to every opportunity. Felt like I was away too much. I was doing too many things at night and on the weekends because people were always asking me to do workshops and talks at those times. So I have asked the universe to help me call in more opportunities during the work days so that I have more of my evenings and my weekends with my family, which is what I, where I really feel like I need to be. So it's hard to say no to things, but opportunities are opening up during the day. And that's, kind of what I want 2019 to be about. I also know this year you tried a mindful spending experiment. Can we talk a little bit about what you learned from that? Yes. And that actually is in in one minute to Zen also. So if people read the book, they'll get more information about that. I learned so much about myself. Oh my goodness. So what I did was I took six months. And I didn't say, like, I'm not spending a dime. It wasn't like a total money freeze. It was about clothes and shoes and bags and product junkie. I just love, I'm so girly. I love all that stuff. So 
I just wanted to be more mindful about it. I felt like I just was buying to buy and I just had too much stuff and it just wasn't feeling good to me. I wanted to really pull back and get a hold of my habits and really take a look at what was making me feel like I needed all this stuff. What I thought was so interesting about your story is you said like, I'm mindful in my life. I'm mindful in the way I eat, but this is the one place that I'm yet to be mindful. Yes. And it's true. My husband would agree. And it's not like I'm not a hoarder and I'm not in credit card debt. I mean, I haven't like ruined my life over it in any way, but it's just something about the way I was spending and buying things without thinking didn't feel good. And one of the things that really helped me that was, uh, was huge was I created a want list. So I told myself if there was something I really, really wanted at the end of the mindful spending experiment, I could have it, but I had to put it on this want list. And every time I came across like another book or a lip product or whatever, I mean, so ridiculous, all this stuff. But whenever I came across something that I wanted, I put it on the want list. And I told myself at the end, if it was still there, I could have it. Well, let me tell you, about once a month, I looked at my want list and all the things I added that month, and I took about 75% of them off. Once I had a minute to think about it, because I wasn't just mindlessly purchasing stuff, I didn't even care about having it anymore, like almost all of it. And at the end of the mindful spending experiment, there was hardly anything that I wanted. I Once I just paused, I didn't care because I was so used to buying in the moment without really thinking about it. Cause like you said, this is the one place that I wasn't as mindful as I wanted to be. And it really helped me. And I remember the first time I went shopping after it was over, felt like such a different experience. I was so discerning. I used to, I think just buy stuff cause I was in the store and I didn't want to leave without anything. And I just was like, I don't need any of this stuff. I really, you know, I, I remember I went to a store to buy one thing and I left with just that one thing that I actually went for. I was like, I don't need this other stuff. And I, it was so empowering to, to not buy something just to buy it. It felt great. I like the word, you use the word discerning there about how you really became discerning in the way you were spending. I think that's the power word. Yes, it just, it is empowering to make choices that feel good and understand where they're coming from. I can remember right at the start, I think you had your hair cut and you were like almost leaving the salon with like a super expensive uh, new hair dryer and, and you really yeah. wanted it, but you couldn't have it then. I have this. <laughs> but like, it's the type of thing you would have just left with earlier without second yeah. thought. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And so it was really, really such a good experiment. If anyone feels like they could be more mindful in their spending or in one area of their spending, I encourage you to create the want list because it is amazing what happens when you give yourself time to mindfully pause and think about something. It'll be interesting to see. If you still want it, great, you should have it. But I guarantee most of it, you're going to just take off. Okay, so this is the one question that I did add after your last interview to my little set of questions. Ali, what does fulfillment mean to you? That's a great question. When I think about feeling fulfilled, I the first thing that comes to mind is I can't do it without being my authentic self and really being honest about who I am and how I feel. And then using my time and energy in places that 
feel nourishing in places that allow me to connect, letting go of drama and really spending time and attention on what matters, fueling my passions, teaching, doing all the things that I love to do. Can we talk about the authenticity piece there? Because I totally agree with you. I I do believe that fulfillment's intimately tied with authenticity. Has it at times been hard for you to walk your authentic path? Because you are not walking the beaten track. You uh, stepped out and decided you wanted to become an author and a teacher and now a medium. This is not something that is necessarily easy to do. Has stepping into showing and sharing your authentic self with the world sometimes been challenging? Yeah, I think it can be a little nerve wracking to go off the beaten path at first. But the more comfortable you become with yourself, the more you're like, ah, this is me, take it or leave it. I think I definitely have grown a lot in that area. When I was first starting my business, I did things that had a lot of shoulds attached to them, which is really my measure now of what I do. If the sentence starts with, I really should do something, then I know that I really don't have to (laughs) unless I truly want to. So I think that I was doing what I thought I needed to do or comparing myself to others and what are they putting out into the world. And when I stopped doing that, that is when so much joy just exploded in what I was doing. And when up-leveled in my teaching and myself as a person, because I I learned to let that go. I mean, I kind of learned the hard way because I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning because I was listening to other people instead of listening to my inner wisdom. So yeah, I think that, I think it is hard at first because it's so ingrained in us to kind of go along with the pack. But once you learn to step out and you see how good it feels to step out, then it gets easier. Oh, I would so agree. I feel like it's those first few steps that feel really hard and claiming your own truth. And then after that, you're away running. I think it's kind of what Brene Brown talks about in Braving the Wilderness, how there's that like little messy patch in between and then you're off. Yeah, I would. that's awesome. I would agree with that. Okay, one final question for you. If you could leave us with one thought today, what would it be? I would love to leave listeners with the idea that small changes lead to big results, that you don't have to overhaul your entire life to make a difference in how you live. One minute at a time, your life can get better and each moment can get better. Your relationships can get better. Your relationship with yourself can get better. More joy, more peace, more love in your life. One minute at a time, one small action and one small choice makes a huge difference. I hope some of those simple tips will help you feel a little bit more zen over this crazy period that we're launching into with the holidays upon us. As you heard me say, really sighing it out has helped me so much over these last few weeks. And I feel like it's certainly the season to dance it out. To get a copy of One Minute to Zen, you can find that on Amazon or head to the show notes to find a direct link. You can also find it over on Ellie's website at Hot Mess to Mindful Mom. If you're interested in Ellie's other services of readings or speaking, you can also find information over at Hot Mess to Mindful Mom. Next week, I'm talking self-care with Tara Pringle Jefferson. She's 
awesome. I love this interview. So come back next week to talk about how you can be more focused on your self-care over this busy period. Till then, keep thriving, beautiful people. Keep thriving. Keep thriving.